Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. This is Simon Sweetman, and this is episode 65. I talked with Sheila Magadza. She is the artistic director of the New Zealand Festival, and um, and within that, uh, that makes her the artistic director also for the Wellington Jazz Festival, which is coming up next week. So we talk a little bit about her life and her background and how she got into the role um, and why she does it and you know which I found really interesting because I think a lot of people think uh, artistic director for a festival you get flown all around the world and get handed a glass of champagne and get to watch shows for free which is part of what she does but uh, I think people don't understand that that's work and that that requires a lot and that a lot of things go into making a festival so we talk a bit about that some of the logistics and then we talk about um, well we give a big plug to the jazz festival in particular um, we go through some of the great acts and artists that are going to be on um, obviously Bill Frizzell is the big name um, the really big name for me but also Diane Reeves uh, a spectacular British band called The Common Is Coming that kind of take jazz out into a dance electronica area um, there's everything from sort of Afro-Cuban jazz to uh, hundreds of uh, local acts playing pop-up shows playing in bars around Wellington so this all kicks off um Wednesday the 7th of June and goes through till Sunday the 11th so I'll have a link um, that you will see in the program notes to this um, yeah I really enjoyed I'd never met Sheila I mean I'd seen her speak at some events and, and I like the way she always gets up and sort of introduces the main acts at the jazz festival the last few years and I, I really think that her crew you know her and her crew have done an amazing job of ushering in a new version of the jazz festival also the international festival which happens every two years is great so that's coming up in 2018 next um and that'll be her last festival as at the helm um so yeah i i i don't know what you'll get out of this if you don't live in wellington and you're or you're not traveling down to the jazz festival this may not be of huge interest to you but i'd hope that there's something in this anyway for you um this is me talking with Sheila McGadzer and this is Sweetman Podcast. It's sponsored by Tea Leaf Tea, Le Petit Chocolat and Yeasty Boys. And um, yeah, dig in and have a listen and I hope you enjoy it. I guess we'll start with you and how you got into this line of work. So you, um, what makes someone want to do arts festival stuff? Uh, um, I've just been a very lucky person and um, it's funny in all the stuff that's going on at the moment in the political sphere I've been reflecting on it because in effect I'm a, I'm a migrant to New Zealand yeah. I had a New Zealand mother but I grew up in Zimbabwe in Africa and I came here when I was 19 um, not really sure if I was going to stay but I wanted to go to university and I needed to earn money to yeah. do so yeah. so in um, my first two weeks you know I just went job hunting and I got an administrative job as a temporary kind of a few months contract yeah. at the then New Zealand Festival so this would have been in about 1991 right and so I worked on the 1992 festival in an administrative capacity and I <clears throat> thought that was great went back to university but then they asked me to come back again in the next cycle and mm. the the jobs kept getting longer and the duties yeah. kept getting bigger yeah. until I was um, working closely with the then artistic director, Carla Van Zandt, oh, yeah, yeah. Yep, um, and doing um, a lot of the contract work and 
logistical work and managing the development of some of the new New Zealand work mm. in her programs. But I got to work with um, Carla and another great inspiration to me before that was Joseph Selig who programmed a yep. lot of the programs in the 90s. And when I first started it was Chris Doig as the artistic director who was mm. you know, a kind of force to be reckoned with. So, um, And Rob Brockman came from Australia for one festival. So I had four artistic directors that I worked with over that period yeah. of time and I guess all the way through that time I kept thinking well at some point I'm going to have to get a real job yeah 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 <laughs> and meanwhile I was studying um I did a degree in politics and then I did a master's in international relations and I don't think I was um I think I was pretty clueless about what I thought the job <laughs> might be that I was yeah. going to get the real job in inverted commas mm. um <clears throat> but at some point, I think during my master's, mainly in international relations, I kind of it all kind of came together in a way in my head that really made me go that what I was, what I'd been kind of doing in my study life towards a real job actually had a great um, deal of synergy with what festivals stand for, international festivals, mm. and the difference that you can make through cultural exchange and diplomacy and the sorts of people that you mm. meet were people that were very um, similar to me in views about kind of internationalism and you know people coming together and things like that and so at that point I kind of became a lot more committed I'd always loved the arts we grew up in a very arts loving household mm. both my parents heavily involved in music and my mother taught music and literature so arts had always been kind of quite fundamental to our mm -hmm. life anyway. Mm -hmm. And in Zimbabwe, the kind of cultural life is very prominent too. There's a lot of sculpture. Zimbabwe is famous for stone sculpture, mm -hmm. music. It's kind of all in the thread of life. But I guess at some point I could see that through this, I could achieve at a personal level things that I felt were important in my working life. And it all kind of just went... Mm. quite nicely um, and then that uh, I then left here and went to, to Australia, Australia for yeah. 10 years um, and worked there with a couple of artistic directors and eventually uh, one of them who's in New Zealand at the moment directing an opera at the New Zealand Opera Company Lindy Hume uh, invited me to be her associate director and so I got to work alongside her more recognised in the programming mm. area and after that became the artistic director when she finished. Mm, mm. I, I want to know a bit about um, exactly what the role of an artistic director of, for a festival entails, because uh, I said to you before we started recording, I imagine you've had variations of people saying, what a sweet job, what a nice job, which I know you think it is, mm. and, and it is. But also there's an idea that you swan around the place, you get to see all these shows for free, you get handed a glass of wine at the beginning and or the end of it, and that somehow that's not work, and also that you know there's no factoring in of the work that's involved, not just the travel and the mental space of taking that in and deciding, but that there's work around all of that. Yeah. So can you explain a little bit about how massive the it is as an undertaking. I wouldn't want to debunk the myth. It is a great job. Yeah, yeah, exactly. say that first <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <of> <laughs> Everyone should have a go at this. Um, but it is quite complicated, and I do think that it's probably evolved over time as well. I think in an earlier time when there was less media clutter and institutions like this were kind of run much more by a single-minded person yeah. with a single-minded vision, um, then things probably were 
a lot easier but I guess at the moment now in this role you're balancing quite a lot of views some of them opposing views and trying to reconcile that with an, a vision for the festival so the way that I've come at it <clears throat> is I set an artistic vision for my time here like I have four big things that I want to do with the festival and then I just work away within those and so that's to do with um, international programme bringing the best work that I can into mm. New Zealand um, a lot of it's with about engaging with the community, expressing our sense of place and our identity mm. and engaging with the city because Wellington is such a unique spot to play with. So um, having set that vision, I guess you do a huge amount of research. You, you have to know a lot of people, um, both here and internationally. and. A lot of that, as you say, research connections, yeah. finding out what's out there. Having eyes and ears who's and feet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because like, you can't get to, to absolutely everything. Yep. Yeah. And then there's a lot of logistics around that. And we work in concert with a couple of other festivals. Uh, yeah. Hong Kong and Australia. And sometimes up to Taiwan. We all work together. So um, sometimes we share stuff, sometimes we don't. So there's a lot of that kind of... Yes jiggery pokey going in the background makes sense from a travel logistic point of view as well yeah. in terms of like for cost is yeah. prohibitive to just fly somebody out so from America exactly. to New Zealand and occasionally you'll get those scoops or those exclusives yeah. or then they'll get built into another festival yeah. because you're, you're, as you're the person who's taking the punt on them or something right? yeah. 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 yeah the jigsaw puzzle of that Yes. so a lot of logistics a lot of budgets um, yeah, a lot sometimes of, a lot of cap in hand con- for funding yeah, yeah contract wrangling and, yeah um yes and then and trying to make that all come together into schmoozing sponsors yeah or, yeah <laughs> all of these yeah, things yeah, yeah funders yeah. yeah um and i yeah uh, and i guess also selling the product a yes. lot of it is that fronting up and trying to get people to have faith in you as a person and yeah. what you feel is good yeah. or important or yeah. worth their while which is i guess Again, in the age of you know branding and personal branding, it's an important thing to do, and possibly the thing I hate the most, being not a Facebooker really? and things Interesting. like that. See, um, I don't, I don't know you. I only just beat you. I opened the door to you 15 minutes ago, and but I, I've, I've, I've seen you stand up and speak at um, jazz festival events the last few years, and I've thought like from whenever it was when you first came on board with that three or four years ago, I thought like how great it was to have. I guess the figurehead, the person in charge, standing up and, and and introducing the acts with a little bit of a personal story attached to it. Sometimes, you know, mm. like like a um, an endorsement that goes beyond just mm. I'm being paid to say this is good. Like mm. it, it comes across that one thing I I have got is that you um, care quite deeply about the things that you're mm. putting on. You know, mm. it isn't just a, you've 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 got something of yourself. Oh, in there. hugely, and the, and you know you and you want everybody else to care as much, and of course you get yeah. bewildered when they don't, and yeah. you love it when they do. And I've just seen something actually last week in uh, Brighton, and one of the first thoughts as I came out onto the street is, I can't wait to share this with yeah. you know yeah. with the audience at home. They're gonna love it, and yeah. I hope that's I hope that's going to be true. Yeah, but it's that feeling that you you do. You do believe something is good mm. that you want to pass on to other people, and you do hope that it's going to mm. somehow enrich their lives or mm. give them pleasure or sorrow or whatever it's meant to do. But yeah, it's an interesting one. But the other aspect of the job, which is um, a really 
a pleasant one for me is the commissioning and development of new work. Like yeah. um, the role that the festival plays in mainly New Zealand artists, but sometimes international ones when we give them the leg up to make new work. Mm. And a lot of that's about backing, risk-taking, and sometimes things come to you in a really uncooked, conceptual way, and yeah. you've got to go, A, I think there's something good in that, and B, I think that person's got the ability to pull it off, yeah. and then provide whatever support framework you can for them to do it. Mm. And it's an area in which we don't always succeed, and artists don't, you know, everything they make is not going to be great, but it's the process along the way that you want to have integrity and as much opportunity as possible and then sometimes things come out in there mm. that excuse you like last year in the festival um ben crowder um and carl's beautiful tipo a beautiful beautiful piece mm. that just went further than i thought it was going to in terms mm. of Mm. And um, one of the things that seems to be happening more and more uh, with the festivals is this, well with art in general and then reflected in the festivals, is this breaking down of genre lines, this intentional move towards sort of multidiscipline um, performance pieces that, you know, they, they've got one foot in dance or movement but they would appeal to a music goer who wouldn't normally go to a dance yeah. show. And that's been very exciting. I mean, I've, I've been lucky, obviously, over the last few years to get to go to a few of these things in a capacity as a reviewer. Mm. Also, as a, as a general punter, I guess, too. Like, sometimes I go along to things just because I want to see them. But, but yeah, I'm finding more and more that you don't just look at the music section of the mm. programme. Mm. There isn't one that's called something else. Or if, if it's called music, you're wise to look right through the programme to find... Yeah. I love... Well, I love that you said you're excited by that because... I do think it's the way things are shifting and it's the way artists are thinking and making their work now. They're much more influenced by each other and different disciplines and they work more collaboratively. And there's a beautiful quote, um, I always go back to Samuel Beckett, when he talked about his form of theatre that clearly was defying everyone's expectations of the convention and he said, to find a form that accommodates the mess that is the challenge of theatre today. And I think that's the challenge of art today because Mm. our societies have become more plural. The black and whites of many things are gone. And in the same way, artists, I think, travel across disciplines and technology and and even geographical. Artists from different countries now work with each other. And... It is the form that accommodates the mess that it's, is our also life we today. just we the way we share information we point yeah. and click and drag at so many different things and we yeah. have these kind of um, you know part of the pub but these nets that we're using to to catch and filter stuff yeah um, and present stuff and you've got no way of knowing now like what a person might be you know how yeah. how broad their interests are going to be yeah that they might display some of that on their personal facebook page yeah. or whatever but that's only yeah a, a tiny thing right yeah so if we're like some... that as consumers imagine imagine how much the artists are oh. taking in and finding it all goes into the into, yeah. the into the drop box for them yeah yeah i think audiences though it's a bit i mean also possibly it's generation and I don't like to kind of put people in boxes but I think still people are looking for reassurances around some of those things but the thing that also intrigues me quite a lot I don't know if you find this in music world is how much things have shifted to visual based 
experiences yes. in the last yeah. 20 years and I personally struggle with that because I, I, do I love the word I love listening to music I love quite abstract things but I can see that um, people's tolerance say for sitting through yes. a 90 minute piece of text based theatre where yeah, you have yeah. to listen hard and there's not much yeah. action going on yeah. is becoming more or a concert with no big screen yeah. <laughs> you know or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. the eyes have to yeah. be kept busy my, all the time one of my absolute favourite musical experiences that I always reference and it was from the jazz festival from 15 years ago or so in Wellington was seeing that Australian band The Necks um. and here you've got three guys on stage looks like it's a jazz trio kind of sounds like it's a jazz trio they end up going off and also or sometimes starting in a very different <laughs> mode um, and and last year there was uh, Dawn of Midi was a little bit like yeah. that in a different way um, you know that requires a kind of patience to sit and watch that, I would imagine. But that, to me, that was sitting front row of that. And I didn't know what I was getting. I was going along going, I hear these guys are good. That was it. And I've become, you know, I've, I've got, I've bought every single thing that band's put out. They are fabulous. I, I can't wait to see them again one day. You know, I don't know when it's going to be, but they have to come and play here again or I have to travel and see them. They're still, you know, I think they're on 30th anniversary at the moment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's such a different experience from a lot of other concerts. I know exactly what you're saying. We were talking about this just last night, watching the final episode of Saturday Night Live, and the musical guest was Katy Perry. And mm. it's like, okay, like whether she's good or not, and whether what she's doing is good or not is irrelevant, but with her new material, and I've, I've been to one of her shows and, and kind of had problems with it, but every single thing about the performance was about the performance and not the music. Yeah. Yet she's, she's allegedly a musical yeah. act. Now, I know I'm not going to... If I was to try and defend her as a great musician, people could pick holes in that straight away. But what I'm getting at is it was borderline irrelevant whether you liked the tune or got anything from it. You could grab from all these other things. You could like the dancers. You could like the choreography. Now, that's fine. Like a dress. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> and that, and that, that's and so and her live performance was already a music video in and of itself. And it yeah. was absolutely irrelevant even to her fans whether the tune was any good we're being sold that kind of yeah uh, little box of a product every time yeah and it intrigues me and it, i mean and as to where we're going to go because ironically i think that um just sitting here in your house reminded me that one of the strongest expressions of new zealand culture is in its visual arts i mm, think mm. the i would i would really turn often to the painters and especially coming out now through Māori and Pacific, etc., as very, very strong expressions of our unique cultural identity. So mm. um, it's it's clearly present and important, but it's just that I feel this growing dominance in in other genres of work yeah. that yeah. intrigues me, and I don't quite know how to Yeah. Well, I've, I've been thinking about it, actually, like the arts festival, or the jazz festival, and the, and the bigger... I still call it the Festival of the Arts. I know it's got a different name, but I'm stuck in that because of how I first experienced it, I suppose. But they're kind of like a, the equivalent of like a long-form journalism in a point-and-click world. You know, like you were asking people to go and sit through an experience. Now, the experience might be dazzling. It might be um, quite brief. It might be a half-hour show, and it might be full of colour and, you know, all this mm. sort of multimedia stuff it might really dazzle the senses but you you guys have also put on things like eight hour and six hour theater pieces yeah. that people have to pack a lunch for you know yeah. and, and, and go for the hot and, and realize that they are going to stay out and, and those that they're on the edge of the seat for eight yeah. hours too they're not sitting there like 
thinking they're seeing the equivalent of paint drying. They're actually yeah. immersed in a world. Brilliant storytelling. Brilliant storytelling, brilliant production. But it is like a lot, like this commitment to the long story. Mm. Like interviewing someone for a podcast for an hour rather than for 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. You know, expecting people, or not expecting, hoping people will listen to it. You yeah. Know, people still find the time for that stuff hopefully oh definitely so I think the, the festival stuff fits into that kind of which is probably why I've always been a, uh, excited every time this time of the year and every two years with the arts festival so let's talk about the jazz festival the big festival is every two years but every year for the last few years we've have, had a jazz festival mm. jazz festival has what you three or f- uh, well, four or five days yep. and it has about a hundred uh, performances all Up around to the city. Fifty this year. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's been a revelation to me this little jazz festival because, and I think it's worth just uh, telling the story of how it came to our yeah. organisation because it was, it has been as you said around for fifteen years or so, yeah. and it was started by musicians themselves yeah. in Wellington who wanted to invite musicians from overseas to come and play. Which with is them. where I saw the necks and things like that. And yeah. it was just a very boutique, yep. beautiful little curated, very yep. I guess. Um, authentic yeah. in terms of its genesis festival yeah. but I think sometime in the mid to late 2000s it all became a bit hard for them to manage it themselves as a collective so they bought it into our festival organisation and said could you take it over um, and Lisa Toomey did a very big version of it in the town hall and then when I came in in 2012 we didn't have quite as much resource so we tried to find a model that would allow it to kind of recur on a bit more of a stable basis and at the heart of it and at the heart of it still now in this model is that it belongs to the musicians yeah so we put on and promote and um look after the wider festival but the international program that's kind of the bigger events are the ones that we steward plus a free program at st peter's and a few other smaller things but then there's a hundred or so other events that are put on by the music community themselves in bars and in cafes and Mm. All around town, some I, some sort of non venues as well, yeah. like you know non traditional venues. Yeah. Yep, pop and up pop up street performances, all sorts of things. Massive, and I just can't tell you how humbling it is from where I'm sitting to see that just erupt. Yeah, and with so little input from us, and we you know we we do the best we can, but I'm continually thinking how much can we, how more can we invest in this because. It's unbelievable what mm. the musicians themselves are doing and how much effort they're going to to make this all a success. And I hope that really stays with this festival because it gives us that really great touch and feel experience. Mm. And I think as you know, Wellington on a winter's night, yeah, yeah. crammed up at the back of some bar with. Um, but it also reminds us that what a strong music community we've got here year-round. There's NZSO players in there, there's, of course, School of Music and mm. the ex-Massey lot, and so it just kind of, I think, puts a magnifying glass on what's so strength. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like what a part of that uh, recreation of the jazz festival, the, the idea of... Because it used to run for a bit longer and it yeah. possibly got a bit sort of shambolic that it went over a couple of weeks and... and, and um, got out of, a little bit out of control or there was too much um, for people to see and not enough information about it so you've made it a more concise festival now one of the things that I feel was pivotal in that is I think it's 2011 there technically isn't a jazz festival but the festival brings out Sonny Rollins mm-hmm. as, a, as a one-off concert 
which was amazing. You know, I mean, I got to interview him in the build-up for that, and you know, you sit and talk on the phone for an hour with a guy who survived 9/11, and you know, um, you know, got offered, you know, heroin with <laughs> with Miles Davis and, and Charlie Parker when he's 19, and takes it and then regrets it for the rest of his life, or, and all of these stories. I mean, that is, was mind blowing to me before I'd even seen him. Yeah. And I was a, you know, I was a fan of his music, so obviously mm. I was. It would have been a pretty great night to just go and see it. But spending time talking to him on the phone, it was probably the, well, I think easily the greatest phone interview I ever got to do because I was expecting 15 minutes with him. He talked for an hour, and he was just happy to talk through everything. And he was so funny and wise and. You know, if someone like that's going to talk to you, you better listen. You know, mm. so then I go to the show, and the show is great. The show is wonderful, and the show seems to be well attended. And I feel like, and you, you can tell me whether any of this is right or wrong, but I feel like that was a really great insight into how a festival could just bring a concentrated about. You know, let's bring three or four or up to half a dozen international headliners only. Like, like let's have two or three really big gigs and then a couple of slightly sort of second tier. And then as you say, open it up to venues to put on their own bills, to street performance, to local musicians to get involved. But to have those small handful of key headliners so that they don't get lost in the, yeah. know, they're your marquee events. Yeah. And they attract, obviously the musicians, the jazz fans, but also you're trying to get some of the slightly more casual, you know, up people interested in the arts but they may not know everything about yeah, jazz but they want yeah, to take a punt on a big a day yeah. yeah that's right yeah yeah um it's an interesting question i think you know at the moment we've cut the cloth to fit wellington our city and our you know current resources for this festival but having seen it swell to kind of bursting at the seams in this last few years the question now of course is mm. raises should we make it a bit bigger bigger yeah yeah i'm not sure <laughs> um we've got some lovely things going on in there like the new zealand school of music jazz mm. project that builds brings kids from all around the country into a competition which it seems that burnside high down in christchurch yeah. win every year because they're <laughs> awesome but there's just all those little things around it that have a great community feel about it and as you say i don't know if we could sustain that for a longer yeah. period of time, but there are always many more great artists. I, I think there is a, a small an increment of growth that I would love to see, which is another venue, and this gets back to the you know question yeah. of Wellington and venues, that's not as big as the Opera House, yes. maybe 500, that we could do in mm. a more cabaret style mm. with mid-level artists. Yeah. Because there are some... But still get your international names and all of that. But, yeah, yeah. but also then present some New Zealand artists in that context yes because um, or some there, more or some are, more workshops and yeah, things too yeah yeah there are a few that I'd like to pick out of the mm. the great morass of mm. and go right well I guess we've done that this year with the collaboration between the Jack and Black yes. String in Korea and we've put that in the Opera House um, but and we've done that in the past with projects by Ruby yeah, Bradley but, and co but yeah there's there's a few. I'd like to get a bit more ambitious on the New Zealand and the Michael Houston and Roger Fox yeah. one is obviously a winner because yeah. that's a repeat. Yeah. Um, well, you know, a repeat collaboration. Those um, guys work well together, and what they offer is of interest to a slightly wider audience, right? Yeah. They're both bringing in the the audience that yeah. was at one time unique to them. Yeah. 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 Um, so I'm thinking like so after the Sunny Rollins show, like I can't remember exactly the order, but 
next thing like it's either the the festival comes back in 2012 with you and I don't know if it's that year or the following year it might be 2013 we see uh you know, we start to see these people like Dee Dee Bridgewater mm. and um, Cassandra Wilson. Cassandra Wilson, I think, was 2013. Jacqueline, yeah, amazing. Shorter, yeah, yeah. All so those big. Guys. These are. So I mean, these are big names. Yeah. You, know, you need to, Wayne Shorter. That's like that's like the Sonny Rollins yeah. thing. You know, it's another example of that. A guy in his 80s, a living mm. legend, still very vital. Mm. Uh, hugely, you know, hugely so. Mm. Um, Pretty, pretty special. These are these are actually like once in a lifetime gigs for people, uh, people living here. I mean, like yeah. We every year the program comes out, you've managed to pull out one of those sorts of names. So yeah. if if not more. So yeah. for so for me this year the name is Bill Frizzell. Yeah. And um, that's someone I didn't think I'd ever get to see. No. You know, but have been a fan of for twenty odd years. So tell me about how you make these decisions. Obviously, it's about availability. A lot of it's availability, <laughs> but you you know that I guess in the jazz world there there aren't huge opportunities for artists to to tour as much. But we work closely with the Melbourne Festival. I've got a really yeah. close colleague there, and between the two of us, we kind of scar around. Um, see concerts talk to each other about who's doing what and then we pitch together and often between the two of us will then try and find other partners to make say a four or five yeah, yeah, yeah. tour and then off we go so that's really how it works um each year that that between the two of us we kind of mm. scout out and see what's going on but is it a case of long lists become short lists become you know even shorter nominees lists kind of yeah finalists <laughs> yeah yeah start again lists yes um and yeah that all you know the is he still going to be alive by then yes. list do um, they do they still <laughs> tour because I, I mean I know like one of the names that's been um, floated around over the years and uh, it's not an option because it's not what he does is Keith Jarrett for of example course, you know yeah. he doesn't like flying yeah. and doesn't like travelling yeah. and I don't know if his health's even worse than that now or what but you know he still does perform and record but not as much as he did and, no I know. know he's on that's it's like Keith Jarrett and Patti Smith are on yeah. the same list yeah. which is we just keep asking every year yeah. one day someone yeah. you know put us out of our misery yeah. but um, yeah there are some people that are just yeah, yeah, not not reachable. But yeah. yeah, yeah, we've done we've done okay. You've done you've done amazing. Especially when you think yeah. like a lot of them are you know post seventy and they're still willing yes. to do these flights. And yeah, pull it out having you know, and the whistle stop kind of yeah. tours. You know, like you know they might do a few shows at Aussie or whatever, but it's yeah. still a, a grueling schedule for them. Yeah, or, or no more heroin and it's yeah, all yeah. kind of green tea and <laughs> yes. uh, healthy vegan Foot food massages. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so the other thing that you've done is like uh, a couple of years ago it was Dawn of Midi and I guess this year it's the Comet is Coming like this is where we're starting to get into a bit like what we were talking about in terms of general arts festival mm. a kind of slightly more multidisciplined mm. or cross-pollination of genres I mean the Comet is Coming you can't really call them a jazz band but they have elements of jazz mm. in both their lineup and in their sound mm. So how do you, you know, how, how do you arrive at something like that and is, and how much of it is um, stamped with a little bit of your personal taste and how, how much is there a worry of, well I've secured this act I love, mm. or someone told me he's great and I've seen them and I love them too, 
now I've got to sell that to an audience that might yeah. not know who they are. Yeah, like. it is tougher. And I have to say that um, I'm guided by someone in my office who's under 30 mm. <laughs> in this a lot, which is really trying to find the next gen um, of musicians who are going to appeal to someone who's at New Zealand School of Music now, yes. because they're all sending each other yeah, yeah. files of this, that and the other. And yes. um, so that was like the snarky puppy thing. And we've got yes. a few other on the list too. That's that the, the, the next gen and jazz. It, the thing I love about jazz is it's not the kind of the freeformness, but it's inherent. It's like modernism, isn't it? Always reinvents itself, mm. and wherever it travels, it takes on the characteristics of where it is and mm. brings them in and moves forward and moves forward. It's the kind of ultimate modernist art form in that way. And so I just think this is where it's travelling now, and it's uh, there are few boundaries, I guess, mm. um, for a for a purist. And this is I I had a great road trip in the 90s when we bought. Um, Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra here Winton yeah. Marsalis is famously hates flying so he made me drive him from Wellington to Auckland right. rather than catch a one hour plane which meant us leaving the Park Royal as it was hotel at 4 mm. o'clock in the morning wow. to get him to a sound check uh, in Auckland on time but, and then does he talk to you in the car or does he just oh, go yeah. to sleep? Well, he went, he... First of all, he went to sleep till about Taumaranui or yeah. somewhere. I remember stopping somewhere near the mountain at a pie shop <laughs> yeah. and having pies and thinking, looking around going, I guess no one here knows this has been to miss us yeah, yeah. having pies in whatever we, town we were. But then in the second half of the trip, he was awake and we had this long conversation about the argument that he had had in public with Keith Jarrett. They right, had this kind yeah. of long debate yes. about jazz and the jazz conventions mm. versus new jazz and blah 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 the free form and I, I, you know I have given that I love them both it was mm. kind mm. of interesting to hear how staunch in their perspectives they both were yeah. and how grumpy they were getting yeah. with each other and I kind of which I don't think is necessary <laughs> and I think that's where the comet sits for me in the Keith camp clearly yeah, which yeah. is let's just keep Explorate, playing and see where this is going to yeah. go yeah 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 um no fear and Shabaka is you know he's a prodigious mm. player in his mm. own right and I think we'll see as mm. a nice little tribute to the Sunra Orchestra yeah 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 <laughs> um uh, the other thing I feel like the festival does a good job in, in, in these choices and just in the way it's 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 run and the amount of things that are available for people to see is do you feel I mean I still feel there's some kind of well there are several charges of like uh, snootiness and snobbery around jazz which I've mm. never quite understood I I guess I can understand how if you don't have that facility if you don't grow up with it if you don't move into it in whatever capacity that you can be a bit flummoxed listening to it on recordings but I feel like the live experience is generally what sells uh, a person who's new to jazz to jazz it might also mm. it might also shut them off it might also mm. find I experience that that's not for me but I sort of feel like, and I, over the years, I guess I've had a few plus ones I've taken to jazz shows and stuff that have been people that wouldn't normally go to to something, to, to that thing, and they've been blown away. You know, like mm. you really can turn people on to something through live performance that, mm. that on the record could just be a bit baffling to them. I agree. I think jazz is all, all in Because it's all interplay, right? So you, yeah. you get to actually see that, you know, when you when you develop an ear for it, you can experience that interplay on a recording, absolutely. Yeah. But 
but there are, that's where it becomes that visual medium is yeah. you do actually watch the players excite one yeah. another. Yeah, and I have to say, I have had moments, and you know, at the risk of being crude, I've watched a, a jazz trio, and they are. You can see they're having a conversation that is yes. so intimate between them. Yes. Like, you know, sexual intimacy almost. Yeah. And you're looking on from the outside going, this kind of feeling of, oh, you know, I, yeah. I want to, I, you can see all the, the gestures and things yes. between them and you know that something huge and unspoken is going on there. And, and I feel, as, you know, to witness that is, is go back, goes, goes back to what I think we can do through art is seeing members of... Um, I can't remember who it was, maybe Josh Redman's band, or I can't remember who it was, in the back of Meow one night, playing their hearts out with yeah. Lucian probably and yeah. a bunch of other Wellington... Local great players. And they <laughs> yeah. don't need to know each other and have a long discussion. They just no. get up there and they're hammering away yeah. and it's that instant kind of recognition of yes. another yeah. person through that yeah. expression. I love that. And uh, when you were talking about that... what? watching like say a trio and how and the conversation how intense it is that that sexual energy perhaps and I, I think also of Cassandra Wilson and her band and oh, yeah. that was to me again that's like a top 10 all-time yeah. gig you know been to hundreds of gigs across all sorts of styles and that has to be a top 10 performance and everyone in her band was amazing yeah. but just her on her own yeah you know because of who she is and what she's done but 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 that performance was just um, hypnotic, spellbinding. Yeah. You know, he couldn't. And 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 I think Dee Dee Bridgewater was pretty close to that too in her own way. You know, like, yeah. you know, obviously her own thing entirely, but she is an amazing performer too. Yeah. And so we get pretty lucky. And then and then someone like, I mean, I'm only guessing here. Um, I feel like Bill Frizzell is a guy who is a very low key person, personality, and player. Very self-effacing. Yes. Yeah. And 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 um, and. Probably not much of a talker on stage, I don't know, but his playing speaks, you know, mm. uh, in such a way that just to be able to experience him, that's mm. that's what people are going to get, right? Like, yeah, just, and and again, he's bringing a f- fabulous band. Yeah, it's his music has that weird. I don't know how it's, it's like you're drawn into someone's internal world, isn't it? Yeah, and maybe that's why it works so much in a cinematic. Yeah, uh, way yeah. because it's you're you're really going on this very long journey into a a, a very big landscape with him, and yes. it's like it's the landscape inside his mind. Yes, and it's widescreen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he doesn't need to say things very explicitly, does he? He's yeah. I mean, I guess all all musicians, the personality comes out of the playing, but I but I think hugely so with guitar players for both good and bad the mm. personality comes out of the playing and I think with him what you what you hear is you know who he is yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and I came to him not through his own music but you know in my youthful pop listening days I'd find yeah. his name continuously yes on people's Elvis Costello yeah, Ginger notes, Baker no, all and sorts and you yeah. always notice it especially yes. how Wilma produced things or mm. T-Bone Burnett sometimes yep. you go well what who what? and you go back there and there's yep. Will Frizzell again and yep. that's how I really came to go down the path right. of listening yeah, to him cool. as an artist on his own yeah I think I think for me it was I mean it was a jazz trio thing but it was Ginger Baker the drummer from Cream. He he yeah. had a trio that was him and Bill and Charlie Hayden, uh-huh. and they did two albums together that are amazing. But yeah. I went into it as a a drum fan 
wanting to hear Ginger Baker play jazz, which which he's okay at. He's not as good as some people say, but the mm. albums that he did with that lineup are amazing. Mm. I think the, the star of it is Bill Frizzell. Mm. You know, it's like listening to one of his, and so that's kind of t- twenty five years ago, or whatever. That's what hooked me into him. Mm. And so then it was, but you're right. Like he, there are there are performances of just him with Elvis Costello doing mm. standards. You mm. know, there's her. Uh, has albums where he recreates movie soundtracks now, which yeah. are amazing. Yeah. Um, we drove around America last year to his Big Sur album. Oh, we were driving beautiful. around that kind of area of America, around California, listening to that, and it kind of yeah. made a perfect soundtrack to our trip, you know, because I was so hooked into that record. So, um, do you want to do you want to go through some of the other things that are this year and give them your your right. well, your notes and your statement haven't we've, we we've, talked about comment we've talked about yeah. bill yeah i think the other one because i can't resist a piano player yes. um is harry lopez nusa who has that gorgeous pedigree yeah. of cuban classical training yeah now he's quite young too isn't he's he impossibly young yeah because i've listened to a couple of his recordings and i've got <laughs> man this and in a sense his playing and what he taps into has been around for centuries and that's what he's came but he's what in his mid, mid-20s or something yeah yeah, which yeah. Is and crazy um he's just got everyone backing him at the moment we deal with an agent in the states who kind of is the the biggest agent for jazz ted curland and ted must be getting on in his years mm. but he he saw harold at a some sort of workshop maybe that um the lincoln center in winton did in cuba and just picked him out of the bunch and basically yeah. came back to the States and started phoning all of us promoters going, you know, you've got to take yeah. this guy. You won't have heard of him, but for God's sake, you know, yeah. believe me, believe me. And I think he's right. I think he's hit upon someone who's going to have a long and happy life um, in music. But um, the other thing probably worth uh, noting is that we are hosting the Jazz Awards this year. Um Best Jazz Album and Best Jazz Composition. Right, yeah, yeah. And so that is a real great lineup of, um, even though they're not necessarily performing, Jonathan Crayford is performing yes. um, at Sweet Gallery. But um, Maeli Manzanza's album is fantastic. Oh, it's amazing. I've, had it, I've done a podcast with him, yeah. put that out a um, couple of months ago and played lots of the tracks off that, and, and he's just amazing. We get yeah. to do that live yeah. one day. Yeah. And Mike Nock. Um, but also yeah. in best jazz composition is Callum Allardyce, who's been instrumental in our project with the Jack right. yeah, yeah. Blackstream career. Yes. He went over to Seoul and met them with Jake. And, yeah. um, so um, we're really happy to be able to yes. give back to the industry with that this year mm. um and who have we not talked about oh was, uh, and, and that Diane sort of, Reed. yeah i was just gonna say that lineage of great female jazz singers yeah. which i think well great jazz singers which um, you guys have done a good job of over the last few years bringing, yeah. and she's i've seen i've seen her before the arts festival had her out here as part of a tribute to nina, nina simone. simone so people might remember that yeah i think she was the star of that show too as, yeah. as, as obviously nina and nina's songs were the star of that show but yeah. as as the best voice on the night she was incredible yeah yeah um she reminds me this is might sound weird but um a singer i know uh, an opera singer once got asked about singing the great roles in wagner and what you needed and she said really strong pair of legs you just have to plant yourself and then like (laughs) and that's kind of how i think of diane yeah yeah she stands yeah. and she holds that she's a presence and then she's out an comes amazing presence and just like, yeah, so if I people um, don't know of her they might have already heard her because I think the big the big thing that introduced her to a lot of people 
sort of in a sneaky backdoor kind of way was her being the singer on that George Clooney movie Good Night Good Luck which is about 10 or 12 years old but she recreated a lot of great jazz standards the soundtrack is all her and that's a really good yes and that's a really good that's a really good entry into what she's capable of doing yeah Yeah. and that film is screening at the lighthouse during the festival ah right well that's good as well if you want to go and see that so yeah and then there's just so much going on Dave Weckle as well is is, uh, one for drum fans obviously Supreme. Yes. And he's doing workshops. He's a real educator, that guy, as well. So um, I'm really happy about that. He's going to have quite an intense time here, but that's another really. He's playing some shows around the country. Yeah. That's Roger Fox coming down um, from Auckland. Um, And so that's happening with the School of Music as well. So uh, they will do it. He's been here before. He's, He's. Rogers brought him out before he's played. He? Yeah, I saw I saw a, one of his drum clinics going back probably my first year at university. So going back like twenty years or so, I saw Dave Wickle do a drum. I didn't, I didn't, don't think I saw the concert, but I saw him do a drum clinic, which ah. would have been associated with a performance. So yeah. yeah, yeah, he's 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 actually been here before and likes it and yeah, and is back. But as you say, real educator, real and a guy who has played with everyone. Yeah. Like, Everyone across the board, jazz, pop, rock, yeah, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. So, so some of these people like that, you know, again, it's that thing. If you do have that barrier of entry that jazz is a wall, yeah. you're scared of it. Just think of these as some of the best musicians in the world, yeah. you know, who have yeah. who have connections with so many other great musicians. Yeah. 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 There's somebody who I was just thinking of who has ah. Oh, I was thinking about Van Morrison when you were saying that. Yeah, right. Yeah. And um, just I just listened to something probably on national radio about Van Morrison and jazz and mm. how many people don't realise how yes. deeply his music, yeah, that yeah. album especially, um, that he went and recorded the States, my favourite album that has. Um, yeah, yeah. But it's all jazz musicians on there. Yeah, well, yeah, he's got some great musicians on, well, pretty much every record he's yeah. he's put out. Yeah. But I guess the only other thing is just to really encourage everyone to get behind the the smaller gigs and all the yeah. bars and up and down. But some of these the are street and some, when I say some, a lot of them are free entry. Yeah. Or very small free charge. Cheap, yeah. yeah, yeah. We're talking five, ten, fifteen dollars, yeah. twenty dollars tops. Yeah. Which is not a lot. But there's some really But there's good even stuff some free events. There's yeah. Um and I'll put the um link to the program and your site and everything in the notes for this but it's all very easy to find it's all yeah. very easy for people to google and we've and improved our website this year we completely remade it because yeah. it was getting quite hard to navigate with so much material so it should be easier it is. but i think also you just you know yes come to the big things in the opera house and sit in a comfy seat but yeah. i think getting into the bars and yeah. get a glass of wine and some food and just kind of be in it is and also talk, an talk to some part of talk to some people in between the shows like yeah. the musicians and other people that are experiencing it and get some tips off them what they're going to next and yeah, yeah I, I always I feel like the last few years there's been a really nice vibe of I know standing outside those opera house shows particularly say the first you know the Wednesday and Thursday night you get people talking about what else they're going to see mm. what else they've got tickets for and, um, and asking you know what should I go to should I go to this you know, mm. should I go to this act on the closing night? I don't actually know of them. Mm. Have I got time to have I got time to find out who they are? The answer is yes. <laughs> you go straight to YouTube and Spotify now, you yeah. know, and iTunes and whatever else, That's and you can find this stuff straight away. So you can actually get yourself, you know, you, you can get that little bit of an education, which again strikes me as for some people that's a barrier of entry. Oh, I don't want to go to something I don't know. Well, 
sometimes that's the best way mm. that's how you find your new favourite act mm. but you can also get just enough of a little teaser to let you know you're on the right track with it yeah yeah, yeah. so um, you can't really tell me anything about the 2018 festival no not yet so you'll have to come back and talk about that nearer the time but um, you're already I said to you, are you looking forward to the jazz festival? You're hard at work on that. I, my head is, is <laughs> in the 2018 festival because in the next month I have to have really all the big acts confirmed. So we're working pretty hard on that. And it's it's like at the moment you've got your hands full of jelly and you're trying to just mould it into a shape. And some of that's unknown until yeah. a few things confirm and then you start building around it. Yeah. But yeah, I'm pretty excited. And... Um, yeah, it'll be my last festival, so got to go out with a bang. Yeah, yeah. So will you come back and talk about that when you've got... I'd love to. Well.